Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I'm Stacey Francis, your host. And today I'm going to be speaking with Emma Johnson. She's a business journalist, one of the top gender equality activists, and a best-selling author of the book, The Kick-Ass Single Mom. Love that title. She also created a wonderful community called Wealthy Single Mommy, and it's the world's largest platform for single moms like you. She's been all over the media, featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, CNN, CNBC, NPR, and the list goes on. You can see her speaking frequently on women's issues, including at the United Nations Summit for Gender Equality. She is the founder of Moms for Shared Parenting. And in this podcast, you're going to be learning about what you need to do to make sure that you don't make the top mistakes she sees divorcing single moms make. She shares what the most successful single moms have in common and shares and debunks a lie that you have been told for years. It's a lie about child support. It's a lie about alimony that you need this to be successful. And Emma shares that we need to look at these two income sources differently. Far too many women are held back from achieving their own financial success, their own success in their careers, something that is so important. Why? Because we know that the largest population of women living in poverty age 65 and over, yep, you're right, it's single divorced moms. She talks about how hard going through a divorce can be and how you need to give yourself a pass, what she calls her one-year pass, where you can be and have permission to be what she calls a hot mess. So make sure that you stay to the end too, because she talks about her activist work, particularly regarding equality shared parenting, what this is, why it's important, and how it has the most benefit for your children, not only while they are growing up, but the success and studies that have shown that women who go to work that have shared parenting often create children that are more successful in relationships, have greater empathy for the people who live in their household, and continue to climb the corporate ladder and business career success ladder. So without further ado, please join me welcoming our special guest today, Emma Johnson. So Emma, I'm so happy to have you here with Financially Ever After. So many of our listeners, thousands of our listeners are single moms like you. And I know that you have had quite a journey to come to where you're at. Can you just talk about a little bit more about what you're doing right now, the amazing community that you have created? And what has inspired you? 
Sure. So as we speak right now, I run my business, which is wealthysinglemommy.com, which is a digital platform for single moms or people interested in learning about single motherhood. And uh, that includes a, a website. Over the years, it's included a podcast. I have a number of books on Amazon. And I have a large group on Facebook. I think there's 16,000 women in there, all single moms, no weird guys or people thinking about leaving a relationship, but vetted single mothers. And of course, all the, the social media projects that go around with that. And that whole thing, it's eight years old and it's my business. It's how I make a living. And I feel like it's how I serve the world. And most recently, I have been putting a lot of my energy and passions into a purely activist effort, which is around a site called Moms for Shared Parenting, momsforsharedparenting.org. And it is a media activism effort to further the idea of equally shared parenting for separated and divorced families. So as was my family when I was growing up as a child of divorce, to this day in the year 2020, the vast majority of families that are not two-parent cohabiting families, the kids stay with the mom. So you get divorced or separated, break up with your boyfriend, the dad or your kids. Kids stay with the mom. The dad gets every other weekend visits with the kids or some minority time visits with the kids. And also majority of times the dads are ordered to pay child support and women are encouraged to depend on that money to be financially dependent. And this really is foundational to gender inequality, I believe. And I think this is a very important feminist issue. And I want to be furthering and helping people understand how absolutely critical it is that we change this and start in those families, which I believe will have exponential positive ramifications for all of society, every family, every person of every gender. If we start those negotiations for those 20 million U.S. families with kids, 20 million families, so that's 40 million adults, 50-50. So we know there's a huge and wonderful body of research. I'm very grateful to all these researchers. We know this is what is best for kids. There is old, but now, and once wonderful research, but has now since been superseded that suggested that it's really best for children to have one primary caregiver, one primary person to bond with. Other adults in their lives may be orbit. So that would play out in divorce. Like the kids stay with the mom, they're bonded to her. Maybe she was a primary parent during a marriage. And the dads can have visits and that, that's okay. He can have a really, well, no, dads don't bond with children if they see their kids every other weekend. That is an ancillary relationship and that breaks the bond. The children don't benefit from that bond that now doesn't exist. And this also perpetuates all these gender norms. So we're telling women, no, you must be the primary caregiver. You must sacrifice your career and your earning uh -huh. because we all know, I don't care who you are, if you have kids or don't kids, married, whatever. It is exponentially harder to earn a living and build a financial life if you have the kids all the time or even the majority of time. If you have them the majority of time and the kids are with their dads on every other weekend, you're still the person that kids' school calls when they're sick. You're still the person with all that emotional labor, arranging the lessons and the appointments and running people around. And you are still got your head in that even when physically you're not that parent. So if we can be dividing time equally for parents, all parents, 50-50 time, we will have gender equality. You cannot legislate 50-50 parenting for married parents. We can complain about it. We can promote equal, great parental leave for mm -hmm. it by mm -hmm. corporations. We can have a subsidized childcare from governments. We can do all these wonderful things, but the women are still the default caregiver and the pay gap and the wealth gap and the leadership gaps, they all persist. You can't legislate that. 
but you can legislate gender equality for separated and divorced parents by way of family court. And when we change laws and we change culture, because Mm -hmm. those two things go hand in hand, there's many women in my communities. I bring this up and they say, oh, you know, 50-50 is the law in my state, but it's not. 50-50 is the law in one state and that is Kentucky. And that's only a three-year-old law. So I know for a fact, it's not the law, but it is. I believe that when they say that is the culture, it may very well be the culture in pockets. There's pockets, usually more urban areas. It tends to be more blue because who's making, who's changing that culture? Judges can change the culture. Female judges get it. They get it, right? Yeah, they have, yeah. they write these women that are professional women. They maybe are older. They had to fight in very sexist communities to go to law school, to even get into law school, to go to, into the bar, to get on the bench. And they understand the importance of this, right? So these things can happen culturally and they can happen through policy. And certainly businesses and corporations and small businesses can all be part of the answer, but it really can start with every one of us. I mean, these conversations that we have, they blow people's minds and they change the way they think and the way they behave. And that changes how you talk to your sister who's going through a divorce. And it changes the conversation you have on the playground with the moms who are complaining about their husbands. And this is feminist activism, just day to day and how we're talking about things and living our own lives. So Emma, you speak to my heart and what you're really talking about is the conversation that was the past conversation versus the conversation we need to have now. And Mm -hmm. I know there are women that are listening right now that are saying, but wait, I've always been the stay-at-home mom. This has been my full-time career, taking care of my children, making sure that they're healthy, fed, growing being empowered. What am I going to do? Because I don't have that career to fall back on. And what's interesting is I did a lot of reading, reading through your blogs. I know you have a white paper in the works. And the comments from the women that you interviewed were very much these same women, women who maybe didn't have a career or had fits and start of a career while raising their kids. Mm-hmm. And how appreciative and thankful that they were that they were pushed into the workforce yes. to be able to rely on themselves and not have man just be a financial plan. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because for a lot of women, going to the workforce is really, really frightening. And right now, during the time of COVID, 25% of working women with children at home have said that they're considering either stepping out of the workforce or stepping to part-time. So don't do it. You don't absolutely do it, right? can't do Talk it. About this. The, the, the economy is so volatile right now. People's relationships are volatile. Your husband's or your partner's or your lover's income is volatile. Your greatest asset is your own ability to support yourself. And there may be times you can't do that. You legitimately, who knows? that you absolutely have no economic opportunities because of the, you are, are disabled, right? You are, there are actual reasons you cannot get a job choosing to step off because it's stressful and it is stressful. I am not minimizing that. I get it. I appreciate, I'm very spoiled. I've worked at home for, I don't know, 15 years. I got it. I got it made in the shade over here. I see women struggling that can't do that. If you have an ability to making money now, to be able to keep your career going and give yourselves options because there is not, that is the thing. It is not about, okay, you've got the stress out is finding yourself in a situation with no options is it is the worst practically. And it is the worst feeling in the world. And that's when you make the worst decisions. That's when women stay in abusive relationships. That's when women, 
you know, you don't, you stop taking care of yourself because you are up against a wall. And that's what we don't want that for any woman ever. Yeah. And so what do you see the most successful single moms doing? What do they do that we can all learn from? They see that this, if you are in a situation, which not all moms are single moms, but if you are in a situation where you are leaving a marriage, let's say let's call it a marriage, a relationship or a marriage and starting off, that is a break. You are starting a new life and it's, it's, I don't care what your situation is. If you are getting a millions of dollars of settlement, I don't care what it is. It's scary and it's new and it's unknown. And there's going to be a sense of loss and grief because whether it's the best thing in the world or not, you had an idea about what your life was going to look like and yeah. what you wanted to look like. And it's going to be different. And there's a, there's a loss in there. Maybe the loss already happened. You're over it and you're ready to party, but there was a loss or there will be a loss that you have to grieve. The women that, that are thriving, they are the ones that get that. And they're not trying to replicate what they had. They understand there's less money now and they don't feel entitled to what they had before. They're just like, exactly. what I earn is what I get. It's yep. not like I, you know, letting go of this notion of somehow somebody owes you because your feelings are hurt. Maybe he, somebody cheated. Maybe somebody you feel was abusive. Maybe you feel that they didn't do their share, your, your ex now. They don't owe you anymore. Nobody owes you anything. And the women that are, are entitled, that they're punishing with their decisions, going through, you know, working with lawyers or how they manage the kids and the co-parenting, the women who are revengeful or entitled, you get stuck. You're only punishing yourself. You're stuck in that hurt because what do you get out of it? The women that are thriving, they move on. They move into homes. This, I mean, I remember in my book, this woman, she, there was a lot of money, you know, and she's like, okay, we're a couple of years out. My ex, he moved into this eight bedroom tutor on the nice part of town with his woman he was screwing around with. And I moved into a three bedroom rental, a little house. And it was, couldn't be. And she's like, but I could not be happier. She says, this is what I can afford. I'm paying it for myself. My kids and I have what we need. I'm not entitled to anything I had before. If I didn't earn it, that was not mine. She's like, we have lovely neighbors. I'm making different decisions in my career. I'm taking risks I never would have taken. I'm spending my energy building this new life. I'm not spending my energy fighting with him like I did when I was married. And I am, I would never have guessed it in a million years, this little rental in this modest neighborhood on the part of town where I rarely went and I could not be happier. Yeah. And I think it's really important for women listening here to know that when you're talking about, no, it's not mine, he earned it. It's not about what you take from the marriage, right? You're legally entitled to, of course, equitable distribution, of course, what you're entitled to for if there is some type of child support or if there is some type of spousal maintenance. But I love what you're talking about because you're talking about being empowered and being responsible for your own financial destiny and not but I'm letting- gonna, I'm going to interrupt you there because while the, your very expensive lawyer may be able to get you that child support, or let's say alimony, let's talk about alimony that you're entitled to, because that's on the books, or maybe that's the culture in your rich neighborhood. There is no such thing as a free alimony check. You will pay bitterly for that for the rest of your life. That is not free money, right? Nobody has ever written an alimony check and was happy about it. I'm sure you've talked to women on the show. Women, my favorite thing I made up, <laughs> put this on a bumper sticker is hell hath no fury like a woman paying alimony. 
women are the forefront of alimony reform in this country. And it's w- women paying alimony, which is a minority. It's a small number. It is. And it's the w- new wives and girlfriends of men paying alimony because the only reason you get alimony is if you didn't work and earn your own mm-hmm. money. And it is a dated, it was a very important feminist coup decades ago when women had no economic rights or opportunity. Women couldn't own property until a couple decades ago. It's insane. But thankfully, our feminist foremothers have earned many more opportunities for us. And I believe as if you're talking about alimony, that means it's pretty much guaranteed that you are a rich white woman, that you have an obligation to go and set a new path and not partaking in what has really become a very sexist institution. So yeah, you can, you can get it, but what's going to happen is he's going to be bitter. It's going to get in the way of any co-parenting that you have. And it stands, and I'm here to tell you as a fact, it stands in the way of women getting on their feet. I hear stories from people firsthand, secondhand every day. Usually lifelong alimony is really a thing of the past. I mean, maybe for much older women, or if there's a disability involved or something where the judges are making ruling really on behalf of the state, because we never want anybody to be dependent on the state. And you know, there's very rare care. Most of the time it's a time limit. So I say, okay, you've got two years to get on your feet. You're an educated person. Maybe you haven't used your education in years, but you have an education. You live in a rich neighborhood where you have, you can network with all kinds of successful people, go get a job and pay your own rent. That's the sentiment behind it. That's not me saying this. This is the sentiment that the judge will tell you. And, or if the kids are aging out, like, well, I'm not gonna pay you alimony if the kids aren't even in the house anymore. So these, this is the realities. This is what women are hearing. And they're often surprised because the paradigm of divorce that we grew up with, many of us, is that women are on the dole of the men's, on the men's paycheck forever and ever. And that's just being legally phased out most of the women that get that. And maybe look, there's a very different relationship you're going to have with your ex, with yourself, with the rest of your life. If you go into this, like, because they're 15 and 16 years old and I haven't worked in 15 years and I am struggling, but husband to ex-husband to be, let's work this out for two years. You and I know that the judge will give me 10 more years of alimony. I don't want that. I don't want that for myself. I don't want to model that for my children. I don't want that to come between us. But what if we could work it out for two years? I'm going to grad school or I'm starting this entry-level position. And in two years, we will phase it out. That is a very different relationship you're starting off with your your ex-husband where he knows that's a really great deal because it's saving him many, many, many tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can co-parent together. You have a million, you can get through this divorce much cheaper, much quicker, much happier. And it's giving yourself a deadline to start this new wonderful life that you absolutely can start. And I'm here to tell you, you can. And so Emma, really what what you're saying is changing the view on alimony, that this is a stopgap. This is for you to have time to get on your feet, to get that education, to get back into the workforce and that not having it be a road barricade to being able to succeed and go forward and make sure that you're as successful as possible. Right. There's this other element and this applies in this. I mean, really everything I just said should apply to child support. I mean, only 40% of child support that's owed is actually paid. And yeah, richer women that are listening to this podcast are definitely more likely to get that child support. But the thing is, is what child support does, I'm very fascinated by the unconscious decisions that we are making as women that hold us back. So your child support is dependent on you earning a little, much less than your ex-husband. And he is motivated to earn less too. Everybody is incentivized to earn as little as humanly possible. 
that is exactly what we don't want for anybody in this whole world, for men or women. We want everybody to be free from these lousy relationships that they're leaving and to go out into the world, right? And I get that in the short term, these hundreds or maybe thousands of dollars a month can seem life or death. And maybe they are, I doubt it, but they can very, very, very well seem like it. But that can't be how you're going to build the rest of your life, right? I don't want women to be focusing on that little child support calculator for their state and be like, gosh, you know, if he finds out that I got a raise and I'm making $500 more a month, then his child support's going to go down by 600 and then I'm going to be out a hundred bucks. No, you go for the promotion, go for the raise because that's a tiny baby step into getting the $5,000 a month promotion or raise in the future. We, you can't be, and then you're just think what you're doing. You're arguing with your ex-husband over a hundred bucks at that point. You're so much better than that. Yeah. And I think it's really important of thinking about short-term versus long-term. And this feeds in right to my next question. And one of the things you've talked about is giving yourself a one-year pass. So that, tell me a little bit more about that, of what that one-year pass is and what that looks like for some of the single wealthy mommies that you know. There's a, you know, I think you're going through it. There's a couple of things going on. Like you are going to be a hot mess. Everybody is. So just embracing that everything is what it is. Life, it is what it is. And then putting a time cap on it. So I, what a couple of fallacies I see women falling into, they're like, oh, well, you know, the emotional part of the relationship was over. So I'm fine now. And I got it all together. So I'm totally ready to jump into a brand new relationship and he's going to move in next month. So, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And then that's when you make horrible life decisions that you will regret forever. Or the other thing is, is like, you're like, oh God, you know, everyone, cause there's, there's an upswelling again, we're trying to change the culture, but you know, there's like, oh, you're divorced. That's horrible. He's horrible. It's the worst. It's the worst. And you're poor, poor single mom. And then they get swept up into that. Cause it can be, feel very validating and it can feel very supportive and what you need, but there is a time limit on that. So if we can just be like, all right, just bask in all the pity and bask in all the negative talk. And that's roll around in that for a little while. And then the year's up, right? It's time, whatever that needs to happen. It means that you need to have a respectable day. Life. You can just stop being weird. Or it means that you just stop complaining. Just stop talking about him. And it's, that's another thing. Like I'm very fascinated with the power of community, uh-huh. which is why I talk about this Facebook group I run all the time. It actually costs me a lot of money every month, every year run. It doesn't, I haven't figured out a way to make money from it, but I just know it adds so much value and changes women's lives because it's very highly monitored. This, I pay people to manage it, to keep these toxic conversations from getting out of hand, right? You can go in there, but you can't go in and vent. You can't go in there and just bash men, right? We love men. We absolutely love men. And and managing that. So you fall into the, your group of girlfriends, you go in throughout your divorce buddies and they may be wonderful people. They might be people you've known for your whole life. And you go out and you do the margaritas and you, you know, make out with guys that are not if your demo or whatever the thing is. And it's wonderful and cathartic, but there comes a time when you can't be having all that negative talk anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I want to make sure that we get more resources into the hands of the women that are listening. WealthySingleMommy.com. We're going to put that in the show notes, but is it just for wealthy moms? Oh, no, it's all women. Tell me about that. The beginning of this mission was to start challenging ideas that we have about family and about women and feminism. And I 
growing up with a broke single mom bought into this mantra that single moms are poor and statistically single moms are poor. Statistically, most single moms are not living my life. More than half of single moms are women of color who have statistically not married, much lower education and income level than I am for sure. I try to be very mindful of that, even though that's not my own reality. So, but talking about this idea that we are in a moment when women can be making money. We are in a moment when it is possible to build community outside of your family of origin. And there's so much social change, even in the eight years since I've been doing this project. I mean, our conversations and the national global discussion around gender and equity and race is just phenomenally more advanced Mm -hmm. in eight years, which is insane to me. So to answer your question, it's for everybody and financial, but it all comes down to money. I mean, Stacey, you know, this, this is what you do all day long. If we don't have women making their own money and being financially independent of men, that is everything, right? Then everything changes that we have better leadership Then we have better for everyone. We have better healthcare for everybody. We have family policies that are better for every person in this world, not just parents, not just women, every human being. We have less violence. We have a better environment. If we have women being financially independent, and again, this is something we can do very clearly. It is not so muddy when we're talking about single women and single mothers. It is a, mm-hmm. such a unique opportunity. And so that's where my focus and passion comes from. You know, Emma, what you said so hits up portion of my heart because my grandmother, she shared that she stayed in her marriage because Mm. she felt financially trapped and, you know, she didn't have an income coming in. She was a hundred percent reliant on my, my grandfather. And it, it was like a golden cage. And despite the abuse, she felt like she had no options. And I fantasize in my life of what would her life have been like if she had a career, if she had her own earnings, if she had been financially empowered and supported and knowledgeable, would she have stayed? And my hope, I don't know the answer, but my hope upon all hopes is that she would not have stayed and that we wouldn't have been unfortunately dealing with losing her to the abuse. And that's so much of what this power is. Having financial power, financial knowledge, it gives you more options. It gives you more opportunities. And you're right that single women in particular, single divorced women, are the women who make up the greatest number of those who lived at the poverty line and below. And the numbers are even worse above age 65. So At that point, your husband is no longer responsible for you. You are a single woman, you're divorced, your financial future is your destiny. And I understand that there can be a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, wanting to get back, vengeful nature, and I I get it. But at the same time, you need to love yourself more than that. You need to love yourself more than that and be a great role model for your children your sons and, and your daughters. And I love what you're doing is that it is really, I mean, there's so much research that is, it's very clear when, when children's have parents, you know, so the, unfortunately, well, as the years go on, this is less so, but there's a generation of women that were sold one line that turned out to be false. And that line is being at home. Mom is the better mom. Stay at home. Moms are better moms. That's what's better for the family. That's what's better for your marriage. 
and that we know is a false. That is false. It is not. It is absolutely not better. It's not better for you. It is not better for your marriage. Marriages thrive when there's two earning, thriving professionals and it is absolutely not what is best for kids. And it's not what's best for gender equality for all of us. So we know, I can cite a number of studies that when women are working and earning outside the home around the world, this is not specific to our culture. Globally, girls do better academically. They grow up to have higher positions professionally and earn more. And boys that have working moms outside the home of every class education level, not just professional women, every class, boys grow up to be just as professionally successful and just as happy as their peers with the at-home moms but they're more caring for loved ones in the home. So younger siblings, older people, and they're also more likely to grow up and have a equal share of housework. So we can talk all we want about gender equality, but if you're not living it, Mm -hmm. the next generation is going to repeat it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And Emma, we'll make sure that we include the information um, for www.wealthysinglemommy.com as well as www.momsofsharedparenting.org as a resource for the women to continue to educate your, themselves. And I just want to say thank you. Your message is really, for some, could be a controversial message, but it's in a message that women need to hear that is so important. And it's the, depending on men, that is not the way that we're going to forge our financial future and be able to achieve financial security. And again, it's not just, it isn't, but it's just in the future. The thing is what I'm saying, I get that it's very challenging. It is challenging to what most of us were raised. The status quo of media for much of our lives, our daughters are getting it. They're going to grow up and be like every other week with dad, what was that baloney about? Like, what do you mean? Like you, like I meet women all the time. They're like, oh my God, my mom was divorced. And she's still complaining that my dad screwed her in the divorce and owes her $30,000. And they are disgusted with it because these young women are, they expected to go out and work and earn. And they're, the question is, what are your children going to say about them? And because if I am yeah. stunned by how the messages about gender equality or equity overall has changed in eight years of this work, fast forward 10, 15, 20 years when our kids are older, and I want women to be very proud of how their children look at them. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone for joining Financially Ever After. Thank you so much for joining my conversation today with Emma. I loved speaking with her because she comes with a totally different point of view than what you read in the normal press. We hear about maximizing alimony, maximizing child support, getting it from as long as we can. And while that may be needed to get you on your feet, Emma shares such an important key revelation that child support and alimony should not hold you back. It shouldn't take away your motivation to be financially independent, to be financially successful, to be financially secure on your own terms. I know that that can be challenging to hear, but it's important for us as women to hear. If we want to make up for the decades, the hundreds of years that we've been financially behind men, we need to take control of our own financial destiny. And so that means making sure that we can take care of ourselves and we're not reliant on our ex-husband. So I urge you, please, to think about this in a different way. 
to use this as the inspiration for getting even further in your career, going after that promotion, starting that business, dipping your toe back into the workforce, even if it's been 5, 10, or 20 years out. I know personally the women I have seen that have been the most successfully happy single moms are the ones that take their destiny into their own hands. They are the ones who are making sure that they're building towards their financial future and doing everything they can to have a successful, financially secure retirement and beyond. I want to say thank you again for joining us at Financially Ever After. We're here every other week, here to support you and know that from the financial perspective, I get it. It's scary. You have questions. That's why we are here. So please reach out. You can reach me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. And we will be here to give you the support, the guidance to answer whatever question you have. We are here. And it's the best part of the work that I do and what fills me with joy and continues to light my heart full of passion. So thank you again for coming to Financially Ever After. And we'll see you in two weeks.